even growing up in Pentecostal circles, one of the most abused passages oh, that yeah, I've ever yeah. heard was don't touch God's anointed. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets to tell me not to share my story. And so when they use the word honor, it, it can so easily and quickly mean don't talk about things I don't want you to talk about. Welcome to Radical Radio with Robbie Dawkins. Robbie is a renowned speaker and equipper in over 70 countries, as well as author of international best-selling book, Do What Jesus Did. Here's your host, Robbie Dawkins. Well, it's good to be back with everybody here on Radical Radio, and especially this man right here. Dude, I love you, man. <laughs> I love, I you. love <laughs> hanging with you. You're you're uh, 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 there's never we never have a dull conversation ever first of all <laughs> that's because i won't let there be an elephant in the room i won't <laughs> i'm like oh you see that thing over there let's let's hit that yeah let's, hit the, let's stay on it let's ride it yeah <laughs> i love that and i love that about you but it's it's great to have you on here and and michael miller is a uh he's a host uh, one of the hosts on remnant radio and is a part of that and it's been an incredible podcast. You guys should catch it, watch it. I mean, they they talk about some amazing subjects and things on there. But also, Reclamation Church in Denver. You're the pastor, or you're the lead teaching elder uh, of that church. I'm I, I'm an, an elder, the teaching elder of the church. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, it's it's uh, in the Denver area. If you have the ability to catch uh, them there, I would encourage you to do that. And it's a uh, you're, I tell you, you're never gonna, you're never gonna uh, worry about whether you're gonna be taught the scripture or not. No, this man knows it very well. <laughs> and, yeah, and I really, you, you might get a whole lot of context that you might find boring and unnecessary. But yes, <laughs> you will also get the scriptures. All the word nerds will eat it up because uh, he's definitely a word guy, and so that's really cool. You know, we were we were talking. If if people haven't caught the last program, I really want to encourage everybody to to catch that. Um, we were talking about a very important subject and and something uh, that I really believe that the church needs to be discussing and and uh, talking about. But uh, we're we're kind of on a on a thread here of toxic leadership and what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, and, and so, um, you know, again, hit that, hit that previous program if you have not already, uh, because I think it sort of lays a foundation for where we're going here. And so, you know, with that, uh, let's pick that up sure. um, and just talk, you know, what, what, what is kind of some, you know, what is toxic leadership? Give us summation if you would. Gosh, or, I, I don't know I the know definition of that. I, I really don't. I know. But just from your perspective, when you hear that, like what, what comes to mind or what, you know, so I. I would just call it uh, leadership that's in sin. I mean, I don't know another way to phrase it. Um, that's the definition I thought you would give it. Yeah, just a, a plain and simple. You're just talking about people that are sinners acting out in sinful ways, and they happen to be leaders. So yeah, um, and, and if I, you're one of those, repent. Yeah, and, turn and, around. And, I, and just just to be clear, like it, any sin a leader commits, even though it may not be necessarily a sin committed with a person in the parish, is still sin against the church. Yeah. Because as a leader, you're now suddenly uh, in. They're looking to you for um, spiritual uh, um, example, and they often look to you as their example of God. And so, any sin you commit, you know, I think of the one thing I really, really liked about Danny Silk's book, Culture of Honor, is he talked about where is the paint, you know, where is the mess that I need to clean up. And like it or not, as a leader, when we commit a sin, oftentimes the church is going to be a, a, a person we sinned against by that sin. Not always, but most often the case. 
Yeah. And with Danny's book, I mean, I know that you've, you've taken a, lo a lot of look into that. Uh, I've criticized Danny's it a lot. A, I really yeah, have. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Danny's a, a friend of mine and, and, and I know that there's, there's things definitely that, that he's looked at and gone, mm, I would have said this differently and worded this yeah. because, and the biggest thing is because what has been done with that. And, and I think Danny's in his defense, I think he was thinking more of Bill's style of leadership in that sort of sense. But it's been, I, I was under a leader that took that, that took the culture of honor and abused the crap out of it Sure, and turned it around to a whole thing. Like when I went to confront him on some sin, he was being abusive to some of the members of the church. Uh, he was, he was, uh, he was being abusive to me, you know, and to others and some of the staff and things like that. When I went and confronted on it, he goes, well, he goes, you need to start applying the culture of honor. I'm like, I do. This isn't about that because you're actually abusing that. And he did use it as a as a stance for the purpose of abuse. Well, I think I think there are things that are, there were unintended consequences of that book that empowered leaders to silence others in the name of honor that probably Danny did not intend. You know, it sounds like I'm getting off topic by saying this, but let me throw something out sure. to you because something that I, um, when I early on. Uh, I, I pastored a vineyard church for 17 and a half years, uh, youth pastored in a plethora of independent churches. And one of the things that I, uh, when I was uh, in, in pastoring uh, the vineyard church uh, that I had planted, and, and it's still going on to this day, uh, one of the things that I saw was I saw that there was a, a lot of a lot of people had various forms, you know, growing up in, in Pentecostal circles, the, the pastor was the king. Sure. You know, it was, I mean, we may would use terms like, you know, benevolent dictator, but the bottom line is they were the king. And well, that, benevolent dictator is no better. Yeah, uh, it was. Because they're it, always benevolent until they're not. Well, and they're calling, they're usually the ones calling themselves benevolent. It's not necessarily their team calling them benevolent yeah, yeah. also too. And so, I mean, I saw that. Now, I had also served in elder, you know, elder-run churches and stuff like that. I saw abuses in those circles, too. We talked about it. We kind of hit on that on the last program. Um, but I also, I did see a lot of, um, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of things where that the the whole attitude of honor, you know, and the and the the that if you as long as you do this right, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, and, 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 and so you had sort of this excuse, uh, to, to do whatever. And I know I'm being very general by saying that, but, but what I, what I saw people taking with that state honorable towards that primary leader was, it was sort of a, it was sort of taking, and I would even growing up in Pentecostal circles, one of the most abused passages uh, that yeah, I've ever yeah. heard was don't touch God's anointed. Mm -hmm. And they would even quote it. I was even going to throw this, throw this out to you, but say it from the standpoint, the way that I, where I would hear people say, well, at Jesus clearly said, don't touch my anointed. And I'm like, Jesus never said that. You know, first of all, that was David's statement when he didn't kill Saul, right? you know, that he says, I will not do this, but they act as if, but I've had literal pastoral leaders that I was confronting on sin as another pastor outside of their circle, going to them, pleading with them to repent and then look and say, well, but you're touching God's. And I'm like, because I'm confronting you as somebody who loves you, somebody who cares about you. But 
Can you address that yeah. for a little bit? And I know that's still broad. I'm sort of keeping, I'm not asking a specific question, but there's, but that was ingrained, Michael, in me. Oh, no, I, I heard it. Listen, I, I, uh, when I, I, so news is out there, right? I got fired from a church. I went public about my story about a year and a half ago. And, um, and I met with another pastor who had just left that church. And, um, when I met with him, he had watched the podcast. He agreed with everything I said in it in regards to the kind of abuses that we were seeing in that church, but then said, but I disagree with you doing the podcast. I said, okay, well, tell me why. Let's talk about it. You know, like, let's, let's just deal with it. Let's find some, some common ground here. And he said, well, you know, scripture says, don't touch the Lord's anointed. <laughs> and so I go, okay, uh, so are you accusing me of trying to murder the lead pastor and take his position? He's no. I go, well, that's what that passage is about. That's what it that's means right. when it says, don't touch the Lord's anointed. In other words, David should not kill Saul, even though he had the opportunity to. And um, he's like, well, uh, that, it's, you know, that's not what I meant by it, but, it, but you know, you, you get what I mean, and it still applies. Go, no, actually, it doesn't apply. Yeah. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't apply at all, because what you're really saying, and, and this goes back to the word honor that you just used, people mean very different things by using those words. So for some people, honor means you don't talk about them in a way that might damage their reputation, even if what you're saying is true. Mm. And, and that's actually, I think, what happened, is I was telling true things, or they'll say, well, that's just your perspective. I'm like, okay, well, still, I should still have every right to share my perspective. Yeah. Um, uh, these are my, this is my story. I, nobody gets to tell me not to share my story. Um, and so when they use the word honor, it, it can so easily and quickly mean don't talk about things I don't want you to talk about. Yeah. Well, let me just say this, because we do have a tendency, like we'll throw that passage out there, but then, you know, dealing with somebody who's causing contention among the brethren, who are causing friction, who are being abusive, if you will, and doing this and not speaking to it, not calling it out, you're enabling sin by doing that. And so you you are cop there's a culpability about that. There's a responsibility. Like even us doing this program, you know, there's probably some people that are going to be bothered by this. Oh, that they're we're talking say, about it. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the people who were a part of that organization are probably going to be bothered about it. But the bottom line is at some point, somebody has to take the biblical approach of you've got to point out. I mean, it, it's the whole Nathan, you know, Nathaniel, thou art the man. I mean, at some point, you're, you're, you know, the, the God is speaking and saying, repent, turn so around. Scott McKnight, in his, uh, in his research, he mentioned a statistic. We had him on our podcast a little while ago, and he mentioned how 90% of those who claim sexual abuse that come forward are telling the truth. 90%. A lot. Okay. Now, here's what happens when you're in the, the kind of high honor culture, which means you don't talk about that leader. And this is what's usually used, like, hey, you need, to, you need to do Matthew 18. You need to go and confront the person you have a problem with that's offended you. Okay, well, Matthew 18 is not talking about a, a member in a church confronting his pastor. Right. Okay, and that's important to note, True. because Matthew 18 isn't dealing with the power dynamics that are taking place with a member confronting a leader in their church especially a staff member confronting the leader of their church where their job could be threatened by confronting the leader of their church. And so that, that scripture is getting used carte blanche to say, man, you didn't do Matthew 18, you're the problem. Even if what you said was right, you didn't go and confront the pastor directly, you're the problem. 
And I, so one, I don't think Matthew 18 applies to that situation. But, but secondly, um, uh, many times people will try to confront that person and that pr- person will dismiss what they've said. Mm-hmm. And then there's nowhere else to go after that but to talk about it. And then you get demonized for talking about it because you're dishonoring. Right, right. right. Um, but, but here's the thing. So uh, when I went public in my story, and I, I told you this earlier, uh, one of the things that kind of inspired me to go public was listening to Jordan Peterson talk about speaking the truth. Of that guy. Now, you know, his main focus of study has been like things like, what, how could Nazi Germany happen? How could the right. Holocaust happen? And now, and, and that's personal to me. So, you know, when I was a, a young man, Schindler's List came out. And as a, a young, you know, my family's Jewish, and bear in mind, like I didn't go to temple very often, but but that was still very much a part of our tradition. And so one of the things that happened is, as a very young man, I went to go see a very R-rated movie called Schindler's List. And uh, my family thought it was super important that I go see it, even though I was that young. And the reason why is because we don't, we don't want to forget what's happened. Right. And... So my family understands the consequences of, of what happens when entire people groups stay silent. Mm. Very dangerous. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said, um, to stay silent in the face of evil is to condone evil or collude with evil. Oh, I, I can't mm. remember the exact uh, phrase, but you get the, the gist of it. There is a thing called sin of omission. It means you know that there's something wrong and you failed to do something about the wrong being done. Mm. And this is what happened with me is I, one, it happened to me. Two, it happened to several before me. Three, it happened to several people, several people after me. And these testimonies kept coming my way because I was such a leader in that particular community. And so, uh, of course I wanted to hear their stories. And of course I, I wanted to take ownership for the toxicity that I participated in. And the fact is I'm just as guilty. Mm. I really was. People would leave and and suddenly they'd just be gone and you would hear a narrative, but you would never go and ask those people, tell me your side of the story. Mm. Um, and, and part of it was also the, the nature of the system itself. It was so narcissistic in the sense that you thought that your entire world was wrapped up in that community. Like you thought, this is the center of what God's doing. If I'm not here, then there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. And so yeah. when people leave, you the automatic assumption is, well, there must be something wrong with them. And so the narrative that gets spun about those people who leave is the narrative you believe. Yeah. Um even some of the even if I can interject, even sure. some of the staff that had were leading certain departments had even communicated to me when they would stop and say, Well, this particular church over here is doing it this way, and they're like, Well, they just need to all do what we're doing. Like literally that was said in a staff meeting that everybody just needs to do what we're doing because we're the ones doing it right. And when you get to that place, it is just, it's the old classic danger Will Robinson, you know, thing because that's a very big concern when you get, I wonder if certain people in their, in their progression, like, do they walk away from some of that? Did they did they catch it early on and been like, yeah, let's just stop doing that? But then maybe they didn't make a public statement or something. And I'm not specific. Yeah. I'm not speaking specifically to Bethel. Yeah, no, no, I know. I mean any group to where that uh, and and this is the danger where that if it's not kind of brought to public, then you don't know where they've grown or matured from that. Yeah, no, and you this have no is idea. The importance you don't know what kind of changes taken. Yeah, that, exactly. And and a failure to call it out is actually going to be a failure for one to actually cause sanctification and two uh it's going to leave everybody mm. else in the dark about has sanctification occurred um oh that's a really good point but let, let's there was something i was going to say about this 
Sorry, when it comes to no, no, you're good. I I was just thinking about some of the abuse type stuff, uh, whether it be oh, here's what people don't realize when it comes to the trauma of spiritual abuse is that it can be just as significant as rape. Wow. When when it comes to its impact on a person, now this is something I've noticed in churches is because the violation, the extreme violation. Yes, Mm. Uh, and and I'm I'm not. This is not me saying this. This is the words of counselors that I've spoken to who who work with people that have been deprogrammed out of cults. Um, The the the, what I've noticed and and maybe this is just maybe it's Western Christianity. I don't know. Maybe you can comment on this yourself too, but. I noticed that there are certain types of sins that if a pastor commits this sin, then it's cancel culture. Uh, and, and that sin has to be something sexual uh, in nature for it to be really condemned. But the sin of blame shifting, the sin of pride, um, the lying, those sins, they don't get called sins, they ca- get called mistakes. <laughs> These people, uh, they made. Uh, I, I might have made a few mistakes. <laughs> and, and what that does is it lessens the severity of what's taking place because sin gets disciplined. Mistakes, they just get cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. The paint. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I'm, wow. I'm sorry, but like I said, when you, when you think of spiritual abuse and you go, oh, well, you know, they weren't, they weren't having any sort of sexual infidelity. And I'm going, you don't understand the significance of those kinds of abuses. Yeah. When a pastor gets, conf- uh, when, when a pastor Somebody leaves a church, um, and the they try to confront a pastor, and the, the the blame gets shifted onto them, and then they leave, and they're demonized, and and the way they're demonized is well, don't listen to them; they're just wounded and bitter. When those words get used, what you've also done is just uh, excommunicated that person, essentially. Yeah. And, to, no, and, and if you know that. anything about attachment theory, then you know that excommunication is about one of the worst things that can happen to a person when it comes to the impact it has on that individual. Yeah. And, and here's the crazy part is, if you get excommunicated and you have a church looking at you this way and all your relationships get cut off because of that, then you also have to deal with the idea that maybe I'm the problem. Now, that's called gaslighting. That's what, that's called crazy making. It's when you start yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. and blaming yourself for all the things that were actually done to you. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, it's proliferated, it's exacerbated, it's, uh, it's enlarged by the communal decision to write you off. Yeah. And so when people talk about this, this is what I'm saying it's it's just as severe as rape in its yeah. impact on the yeah. person and the traumatizing nature of those kind of abuses. And, and we have to stop calling things like pride, um, uh, rewriting history. We, we got to quit calling them mistakes and start calling them what they are. Um, rewriting history is called lying. It's breaking one of yeah. the Ten Commandments. Yeah. When a church gets up and they share a story that's actually not what happened. Yeah. They're false literally narrative. lying. Yes. They're bearing false witness. Right. So one of the things that was told to several people at the church when I left, and I'm sure you probably heard this, oh, you know, he just went to go do his own ministry. Yeah. He went to go do his yeah. own thing. Okay. Well, if I said, yeah, that, that they didn't tell the truth about me. Oh, well, you know, they had to, they had to say something. Like, okay, you, you just missed the fact that I just accused that person of bearing false witness of breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And you're writing it off and saying, "Oh, that's nothing." Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I think I think there's I don't know why we treat these sins differently. I think when it's sexual in nature, there's there's 
more of a visceral response yeah. than when it's spiritual abuse of some other kind. And I, I think maybe because, as we were talking about in the previous program, all of a sudden, I think that has to do with Christian culture, is that all of a sudden we've made a culture where there are certain sins that are worse or more heinous and more punishable and that you should be sat down over versus these others that are just as bad, just as harmful, hurtful, wounding, damaging. I mean, to the point to where that even, you know, we'll, we'll say things like I've, I've known people that have that have had affairs while in ministry and that would mm-hmm. confess those. And they'd be like, well, it went to as far as, you know, that, that people left the faith. Well, there's many of these people that are these leaders that are being very abusive where people are leaving the faith. Oh, no, quite literally. I can, I can tell you story after story of this. The number of people who have come to me that have not stepped foot in a church in 10 years. Mm. They they went to the pastor to confront them, the pastor about somebody else that was abusive. Instead of that person just dealing with the accusation brought with them, that pastor then forwarded on that information to the very person they were accusing of abuse. Wow. I have one friend that, that he was so traumatized by it because he thought that the person that he was accusing was actually, you know, capable of really malicious evil, like, you know, could hurt him physically and literally couldn't sleep for weeks on end so traumatized that when he brought this accusation that he thought was bringing it to the safety of his pastor, somebody meant to protect him from the wolves, the pastor then went and forwarded it to the person he perceived as the wolf. Yeah. Trauma. Like, couldn't sleep. And so the idea of stepping into a church after that, after being so betrayed by that pastor, uh, is too scary. And so they haven't stepped foot into a church ever since 10 years later. Now, here's the thing. That pastor thought he was doing the right thing. Hey, you bring an accusation against somebody? Well, you need to go confront him directly. Matthew 18, right? And yet, that's not dealing with a predator. If you're scared for your life, you, yeah. don't, you don't go directly to a person that you're afraid will threaten your life. Now, let's, let's reverse the role. Like, if it had been me, if this had been somebody at my parish uh, bringing to me that kind of accusation, I would say, and, and let's say that the fact is that the, there is no malicious... Uh, culpability here. Like that person's not capable of that. Well, capable of it. Yes. But has never acted out in that way. And I, and I'm looking at the facts. I would, I would get the accusation and go, man, Hey, I, I hear you on this. I understand that you're very scared of this person. Um, I'm not seeing the same thing as you are, but I would love to talk to you about it and work through it with you. Yeah. That's how you pastor somebody who's right, going through, right, has right, that right. kind of accusation. But instead, you you handed that person over to their their wolf and just said, "Be devoured." Yeah, and to and and the you know that 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 response feels very manipulative to me and very it's clearly a very abusive thing because obviously if somebody's coming like many times I'm coming and going I don't know how to respond to this I don't know how to do this right will you show me show me the right approach to go and to confront you know before I go speak to them. But then to be thrown in, and I've had people who have done, have like, I'm giving you five days to go to them directly, or I'm forwarding this to them. I remember just, just, I was casually doing that. Yes. I was, I was a part of a, a group that was doing some uh, evangelism training around the Well, that's country. how, that's and, how, that's a teaching we hear is like, you need to go directly to them. Yes. And, 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 uh-huh. and with one of the speakers, I was like, you know, can we put this guy at a different slot? We were putting him at the front end versus the back end. And he really wasn't that great of a speaker. A good guy, sure, very gifted and very anointed for the job that he did. That he offered this group that was putting together these these meetings, and the but the primary leader of this group said said, you know, you're speaking against him. You're 
totally attacked it as if as if I was accusing him of some sin or accusing him. And he's like, he's like, I am matter of fact, I'm forwarding this to him right now because you should have gone to him before Directly. you came to me. And I was like, what? And it wasn't even like I was saying he'd done something wrong. He it was I was just saying, can we put him at the back end rather than the front end and the speaking? Because I think it's actually kind of diminishing our effect of what we're trying to do. And I was shocked by that, that by that behavior. And and I and I literally later went to that leader and I said, man, what an immature response. That was very immature. Well, First of all, it wasn't an attack of the gentleman. It was just saying, this isn't his best slot. Let's keep him in his lane and let could we reroute this way? But he totally turned it as it, and I really now look back and I realize I was being manipulated in that situation. You know, you were being uh, handled is what. Yeah, yeah that, uh, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But when you know, when it comes to this, this is this and this is a, a, a question I have regarding that. Maybe this maybe this doesn't fit exactly in that context. But when we talk about submission versus control and when we look at things in in, you know, because we're, we're told to submit to our leaders, submit to, to those who have authority over us. But then when there's the control, when somebody has a spirit When does it step over into control is what you're asking? Yeah, how, how do you see that? Okay, so the, the question has to do with authority and limitations of authority. So a police officer, uh, like I'm to submit to a police officer, you know, I'm driving down the road, he, he puts on the siren, I need to pull over. Right. I need to do what that person says, right? Um, but a police officer doesn't get to break into my home. Mm. A police officer doesn't get to tell me to do things that are outside of the law. Um, like there, there are limitations on the authority that a police officer carries according to each state and according to the federal government, right? There are limitations that are placed uh, on police officers to protect us. And right now we're seeing uh, the, the effects of having social media and people having cameras on their phones. <laughs> There's a new level of accountability for right. police officers that is actually probably terrifying. I, I would, I would, you know, be very hesitant to want to be a police officer today, um, because of it, because it's scary, you know. Sure, um, I agree. But, it, it, but it, there's also a good thing to that. that there's real accountability. So then the question goes: Okay, what are the what are the constraints of uh, and limitations of authority for an elder? And this is where there's a lot of confusion. Um, for instance, does an elder get to tell you who you can and cannot marry? <laughs> No, they don't. You know, I was in a church where they said they did. Yeah, I know, I know, but but I'm pointing that out. Yeah, and so and so when you so there's a situation there's called submission where you're to submit to the elders, yeah. but that submission is limited to the biblical scope of the authority given to that elder, and most people don't know what the scriptures have to say about what the elders get to govern. Yeah, so I have clarity around some of this stuff at my church. What are the things that our elders are responsible for? Okay, well, we're responsible for care for the sheep. Yeah. Um, and, and that has limitations as well. It's a very general term. Um, but one of the things I for sure do to care for the sheep is I pray for them. Yeah. When they're sick, I anoint them with oil and I pray for them. If they have sins they've committed, I listen to their confessions. I walk through them and, and I discipline them. So I, I've got a little acronym that was sort of, not acronym, I, I don't know what you would call it, the things that were kind of handed to me from the church that planted me. They would say that the elders of the church are responsible for the disciplining of the church. So if somebody's in sin uh, or somebody's in doctrinal error, and there's limitations on that as well. They're responsible for the, the sacraments, 
Mm-hmm. So they've got to make sure that the mm-hmm. baptisms are happening. They've got to make sure that communion is happening regularly. Mm-hmm. At my church, we we center our service around communion. We think it's yeah. supposed to be at the very center, and the reason, one of the main reasons why we gather, uh, is to partake of the Lord's Supper. I love that. Um, they're responsible for the doctrine of the church, mm-hmm. so the teaching of the Word, and making sure that we're doing uh, what we're commanded to do by entrusting these doctrines to faithful people. Right? We're supposed to pass down the doctrines of the faith to the saints. What's, what's been entrusted to us, we entrust to others. Um, so uh, doctrine, discipline, sacraments, um, uh, I'm trying to think what else would be there. Uh, usually I would say that the, the carrying out of the vision, and by that I mean the, the choice of how to use the finances in the church. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the limitations there. Um, they don't get to tell you where you can and cannot work unless it's, you know, unscriptural, anything unscriptural, I'm going to confront. Right. Um, and, and that can be tricky because not everybody's really good with the scriptures. Yeah. They'll use them for all kinds of things they were never permitted to use them for. But like, let's say that somebody in my congregation was working as a prostitute and they've yeah. come into the faith and well, coming to the faith would mean you'd leave behind prostitution. And I, as a, a leader in the church would have to do that. You know, Paul confronts a man who's sleeping with his dead father's wife in first Corinthians. Um, uh, I think it's seven, I believe. Yeah. Or maybe it's five. I can't remember. But but the fact is, you know, he's committing an act of sin that is so egregious, none of the pagans even do that. Right. And so uh, he's excommunicating the man for sin. And that is the role of, of well, in this case, it was the role of, of Paul the Apostle, but he was actually holding the church in Corinth responsible for failing yes, to do that. For lot, permitting that guy to say that. Yeah, another thing that, uh, that Paul holds, uh, I think it was the Galatian church, he holds them responsible for not excommunicating another group or uh, because they were tolerating the teachings of a false teacher. And so that's actually kind of important to touch on because what, can, what is considered false versus different? Yeah. So, like, um, you know, you and I, you mentioned Michael Roundtree on my podcast. How he's yeah. a, a four point Calvinist, whereas I'm, you know, I'm kind of a oneer. I get, I believe in depravity, right? Um, now, at my church, you can be an elder at my church, and you can disagree on Calvinism versus Arminianism. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can be, we can serve together. At my church, though, there's a distinctive that we have called continuation of the gifts of the Spirit. You, you cannot be an elder in my church and be a cessationist, right? But I wouldn't say that you're not my brother in the faith. Exactly. I so, would agree. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I can't put you under church discipline, but but we have these distinctives on the front end so people know what they're signing up for. But then here are the things that are considered false teachings, not tertiary uh, doctrines that we disagree on. False teachings would be anything that would contradict, um, I would say, in, in my church, this is what we consider orthodoxy, the Apostles' Creed, sure. the Nicene Creed, and the Chalcedonian Definition. So we would we would adhere to those first several councils, ecumenical councils of the early church, and then also pedal creedal statements that you find in like Hebrews and Ephesians. Um, pedal creedal meaning early creedal statements. Right. These are the essentials of our faith. So let's take um, you know when Paul says and that he's going to return to judge the the righteous and the wicked um, or the good and the evil, right? So that's a creedal statement. I, I believe that Jesus is going to literally return as a judge, and he's going to. Uh, execute his judgment. Now, there are doctrines today that would say, well, God uh, doesn't have wrath, or they'll redefine wrath in such a way that God doesn't actually punish unrighteousness or wickedness, that God doesn't punish at all, in fact. Uh, I would say that that's outside of orthodoxy, and the reason why is because of that statement, come back to judge the righteous and the wicked. 
they've so redefined the word judgment that it no longer means the same thing. So somebody who denies the Trinity, they would be outside of the, uh, the views of Orthodox Christianity. That would be a doctrine that you could not be in my church. You're not technically a member in my community if you don't believe these things. Um, and then there are certain practices that would also get you excommunicated from a church that, that I would believe as an elder I have the authority to excommunicate you for, practices that are sinful. Like if you're unrepentant in sin, then you could be excommunicated. Um, but let's say that Which you, is what we see Paul doing right. in that passage in, in Corinthians. Is, the, 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 the thing is, when you start stepping into church discipline for things that are not clearly spelled out in Scripture, then you've stepped into control, and that's mm -hmm. a problem. Yeah. And I would say controlling leadership will often you know, use phrases like honor to keep you silent because you're saying things they don't want you to say about them. Yeah. And that would be a controlling leadership. That's a person that needs to be, an elder in that case, that needs to be put under church discipline. I had just read an article where this uh, particular church in the Southeast had, um, they're actually, uh, they've, the pastor is being brought in on pretty some pretty serious charges uh, where they were having people in their church, um, you, you, they would come to you and say, you're, you know, you're coming this Saturday and you're cleaning my house. And you didn't even have a you didn't even have the ability to say no. Ooh, that's not good. And then another situation where um, uh, a guy, you know, he he was somebody of some financial means, but he was told to uh, bring a car to the pastor's house and drop it off, and it was brand spanking new car um, that he brought, and the pastor, and then he, he and then he even turned around and said, you know, will you give me a ride home? in the car because I didn't and he's like get an Uber. I read about this. Yeah, and I was I was in shock. I was like, you know, I mean, now I had I'll be honest with you, I'd served in a church in Atlanta back in the 90s where very similar type things were happening, even to the point of extreme sexual abuse. Oh. Where the the lead pastor and oh. many of the pastoral staff were were sleeping with uh, different women. It turns out that the that they were also enabling by having um, uh, one pastor, the lady who came out uh, being exposed as having slept with multiple young men. They were even providing a men. So it was almost like temple prostitute type stuff. I mean, and we see that as extreme. Oh, well, that's an extreme case. Yeah, but people have no starts, problem calling that abuse. But the thing it is, the, see, they'll go to that point with that abuse but they, yet, they not call necessarily pointing to the guy who's making people come and clean this house. Right. You know, and it, and it all starts And, and, and again, it, the, the phrasing will be, ah, well, you know, that's probably not okay. He made a but mistake. he made a mistake, you know? <laughs> I, I might disagree with him on those things, but it's, I mean, it, at least he's not abusing somebody. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, but, but he is. It, and eventually it can lead to that. Yeah. Part of it, if it's not, if it's not uh, put in. And so this is where... This is this is where we're talking about with the control and the uh, and and uh, you know and you're, you're stepping outside the boundaries of scripture, right? So I mean, you have within your church, you know, I mean, this is where you would lean on your eldership, I would imagine, to to keep a safe balance for everybody, including yourself, watching your back. Yeah, well, and all of that. Okay, so again, I see myself as a member in my own church. Yeah. And as a member, uh, I, I am just as responsible to, to uh, I am just as, um, the potential for me to come into church discipline is, is no different than anybody else, or at least it shouldn't be. Now, when it comes to the choice of eldership and how we raise up new elders, 
Like I'm going through a book with a current uh, elder in training right now called Biblical Eldership, um, which I would recommend to everybody. Um, Strauss, I think is the author's okay. name. Okay, yeah. I really like that one. I also like The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Devers, uh, even though Devers is a cessationist. He doesn't believe the gifts that continued. I still think he's written one of the best ecclesiology books out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, I'm going through that, but here's the thing. I, I see this person as fully capable of doing what an elder does, teaching the doctrines of the faith, able to discipline the church, able to care for the sheep. Um, I think he's a faithful person. He's not given over to anger or drunkenness. Um, all of those things that are sort of mentioned in Titus and Thessalonians. Um, and yet, even after that process, I'm still going to submit that member to the body at large. And, and here's what I mean by that. I'm going to say, hey, guys, I believe I've been walking with this person through this amount of time. I really believe that they're qualified to lead this church. But the fact is, nobody can be an elder in your church if you're not willing to follow them and submit to them, if you don't also feel the same way. Right. And so I'm going to lay, lay that before the people of my church and say, if, if there's any hesitation you have about this person being an elder, please tell me now. Now, at the end of the day, elders appoint other elders. Yeah. But elders also listen to the people they're, they're shepherding. Mm -hmm. And that's super important. Yeah. And so the fact is, if everybody came back to me from my church and say, we would not follow this person, this person's not going to be made an elder. Yeah. I can't do that to them. Ultimately, people... Uh, so quote i stated to you before ultimately people do what uh you know the quote john wimber used to have they vote with their feet right if they don't agree even if you're the and they should autocratic part and you're like no i'm putting them in no matter what even if they're like yeah he's sleeping around or or he's abusive to his uh co-workers or the people that he's, he's a blame like, shifter gaslighter whatever the things, case yeah. is you know people are just gonna vote with their feet so they can and 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 that's something that you know a lot of people that may be listening to this uh, podcast, even a lot of friends of mine in other countries, where that that's not something that's permitted. I mean, they're like, whatever church you got saved in, that's the church you're supposed to die in. But yet there's some really, and, and what that sets up for is some leaders that blind can, be very, that can yeah. be very abusive because they're required to have blind loyalty you know, and then they are, and then they're subject to that. Uh, one, one of the, one of the biggest struggles, don't mean to get off topic by saying this, but one of the biggest struggles that I've had in working through with the church throughout the Middle East is, is the high level of abusive leaders. And I mean, this happened, the Lord spoke to me, showed this to me, it's just something that he's, you can challenge it, but it's something that he spoke to me in my spirit. And I know, and I, I knew was right as what happened with so many of the leaders of the church in Iran that had to flee for their life and run uh. for their lives when the Ayatollahs started cracking down is it created a house church movement in Iran that never would have been permitted, uh. never would have been permitted if because those the leaders leadership. did not have to exit because they were so controlling, so abusive, so hard on their people. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I had to get rid of the handlers of my church. Yeah. And I think, I think we're I think doing, doing that, that yeah. here. It, yeah, that's happening. exactly the point I was going to make. The fact is, like, it's it's getting exposed. It is happening. It and is. It needs to happen. Yes. Because it's not, it's not cool, and God's not okay with it. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of hurt people out there, a lot of really wounded people out there that think I I had a, a, a one of my best friends even now here in Dallas said that uh, for years uh, an abusive leader told him said you're you're damned for all eternity 
because he didn't follow through with something he was instructed to do. Uh, and good. it wasn't an issue of sin. It wasn't it. It was just saying, this is the way that it is because you didn't give me what I wanted. And he believed it, went into all of these sinful relationships, very sinful. And he's like, well, I'm damned. So why not have fun while I'm damned? Now, then finally, years later, uh, God in a very redemptive, yeah. caring, loving work brought him back around to where that he saw that, oh, wait a minute, I was deceived. I was lied to. And, and, and you know, when I hear stories like that, Michael, I'm sitting here going, woe to those. Well, the, woe the, to that person who said that to them. Oh, totally. They, that caused, because I really believe they caused them to go into sin. That they would, n I know this person would not have delved into that level. Yeah, if I'm if I'm condemned as a sinner, then I'm going to be the worst of sinners that exist. That's like, the, the, that's that's the point. Who, who was it? Was it uh, um, Luther who said, "If that's going to happen, sin boldly" or yeah, something like yeah. that? You know, it's that kind of thing. That if you're going to be <laughs> yeah. turned over to that, then then go with go with all your might. So the the term that gets used for this that should be used is called blasphemy. Yeah, that's so, really good. So you yep. think about Moses. He, he portrayed to the people of Israel that God was angry with them. And God saw that as egregious, right? Like he was withheld mm. from going into the promised land for that sin. Wow, yeah. Um, David committed blasphemy because he stole another man's wife and had him murdered. Yeah. And if, if there was to be no consequence for David's sin, then it would paint the portrait that God is okay with stealing people's wives and having them murdered carelessly. Wow. So you take a pastor who has deeply hurt somebody, and this person has not just left their church, but left the church and walked away from the faith. Do you think God takes that any less seriously? Um, um, so I mentioned in the last uh, thing, just in the prayer time about the persistent widow, people take that parable of Jesus and they, they make it all about... Um, the persistence in prayer. Mm. It's actually not what it's just about. I mean, it is about persistence in prayer, but it's more than that. This is a woman crying out for justice. Yeah. And, and again, I think of the, the gaslighting that I experienced. He's just bitter and wounded, right? Like that's the, the story and the narrative. He's just trying to have vengeance. Um, Which no, is saying, don't listen to him and don't listen right, to Right, it's a way to discredit saying. and yeah. silence right. and, and don't talk to him because he's just causing division. Um, it... It is the it is the story of the persistent widow. Yeah, uh, I I have not stopped crying out for justice to God for what happened. Yeah, and I'm not going to, because that is the story that I'm encouraged to participate in to be a persistent widow crying out for justice to yeah. God. That is actually that is not the the picture of somebody bitter and wounded. That is somebody that Jesus commends. Yeah, and, and that doesn't get told very often, that that side of it. Um, there's another passage of Scripture I think is important in this. Uh, oh, gosh, I lost my train of thought on it. And David's doing that a lot throughout the Psalms. He's right. crying oh, out absolutely. for justice. He's, doing, he's being that persistent widow in that and saying, are you going to allow this to happen when this is going? I mean, he's really crying out for justice. In that. Oh, oh, now I remember. I was trying to buy you some time. Yeah, thank that. you. No, no. Uh, the, but it is true. The throwing the your pearls before swine. Mm. That is not just something about giving away something precious. It's about actually confronting people about things. Mm. And you, you're literally throwing your pearls before swine who will trample over them. And so when people get upset, like they say, oh, well, you didn't confront me first. 
maybe maybe they did and maybe they saw a bunch of other people try to confront you but you trampled over their pearls so why would i do that actually the scriptures don't encourage me to do that very thing in that right. case matter of fact the proverbs say uh, answer a fool according to his folly and what's going to be the result well it's not going to go well no, no. and so this this sort of um i would call it a uh entitlement to have people come to you when you have those kind of power dynamics and you trample on the pearls and yet you still feel entitled for people to come to you and bring their grievances to you it's that's misguided yeah. you're not entitled to that that's a gift when people do that to you yeah um and, and guess what when you trample on them they're not going to bring those pearls before you yeah yeah you know and every people that are listening and watching this you know some people could stop and and I know a, a program that you were on before where you were sharing some of your stories, like some people could come away with that, you know, writing right now, ah, he's just bitter, he's just this and that. And I would say that's a, number one, it's a huge mistake. Uh, first of all, if you don't know this man, like I do, he's a very mature leader. He's a very godly leader, fears the Lord, and is not, is not, uh, this is not a grudge at all. And, and, and I say that because there's a lot of people that are watching this right now that have been hurt. And there's also some leaders. Oh, if, that you, are watching if you've said this. those words about others, they're just bitter and wounded. Think twice. Yes. Cause you may be participating Agreed. in a communal gaslighting. Agreed. And then that's just bullying. Yeah. And it's just backing them off with bullying. The you mentioned th this to the mafia mentality. It is. Yeah. That was, I was about to say that. It's, it's, Tell it, me, yeah, that was a good analogy. Tell me about well, that. All of a sudden, the mafia, you know, comes in and says, listen, we're here to protect you from, you know, because I pastored in Chicago. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Illustration works for me. You know, they coming in and saying, uh, listen, we're here to protect you from, you know, all the thieves and all the thugs that are in the neighborhood. Uh, from being robbed, from being brutalized and all this. And really what they're saying is, I'm here to protect you from me because they're the thug. They're the ones that are going to do all that brutality. They're making and it sound like they're doing you a favor. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm here to watch after you. I'm here to stay away from that because I'm here to protect. But in all actuality, they're they're trying to keep you from hearing things that you're going to hear about them or right. things that are issues that they have and it's a mafia mentality yeah yeah and it's very unhealthy and a lot of it a lot of it's happening under under the uh, you know sort of the cover or the cloak of spiritual authority yeah it's baptized in spiritual language but it, but to be godly it's very unhealthy because and and it's diminishing the intelligence of the individual believer first of all if you haven't figured this out in everything that we're talking about the the solution to this is know the word of god yeah. Know the, your Bible because your Bible, the Bible will protect you from leaders such as this. It will protect you from the. It will point them out. You'll see that. Uh, the you'll see those issues that are in their lives and and that they're flawed too. And they can they can sin. Let's not just say make mistake, but they can sin. And there there's repentance there for them too. If you are one of those leaders, my appeal to you is repent. Right. Turn around from this now and see it for what it is. And not just say, oh, I know a guy who's like that, but really stop. This really got me, having been through that abuse I went through in the 90s, helped me pastor for yeah, 17 sure. years because I was like, I don't want to be. And yet still, Michael, I did stuff that was abusive to people. And I would sure. have to go back and say, I'm sorry, I was too heavy handed or I was too harsh or this was very unkind. Oh, dude. And I, I, so I had to do that yesterday. 
<laughs> no, yeah. I'm serious. I, 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 believe, I, yeah. I, I had a meeting with, I mean, I think he'd be happy for me to share this, honestly, but I had a meeting with somebody in my church yesterday. Um, I, so I, this whole thing was traumatic. I've been going to counseling for probably about eight months consistently. Um, and I'd gone to counseling even previous, but consistently for eight months. And Such wisdom. Um, thank you. I mean, I, I, I think I, we well, only, I'm I, in counseling, so I, yeah. I definitely see it. Well, I, I think what had happened was I felt like I was in a hole that I couldn't get out of. Yeah. Like I'm sort of trapped in these feelings, having these dreams and just kind of going, okay, I need to work through this. This is trauma that's not going to get removed on its own. So, um, but one of the things I discovered in counseling that because of the gaslighting and the trauma that I went through, uh, I had this underlying insecurity now in my own church that people were going to perceive me as the monster that I, in the way that I thought that person who hurt me as a monster. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, but that's the nature of it, right? Like the monster tells you, you know, you're the monster. Yeah. And now you're going, maybe I am the monster. And so here I am in a church and I'm, I'm afraid that somebody's deeply committed to the church He's going to bounce. He's going to find out something about me he doesn't like and perceive me that way. Mm -hmm. And so when he has brought certain criticisms, it, it, like I, there was a level of sensitivity that I was experiencing. And one of the other, the elder in training was the one who brought it to my awareness. He was like, bro, I, I think there's a level of sensitivity that you have to this. I think you need to unpack that. And I'm going, okay. And so I brought it up to counselor. So I sat down with him yesterday and just told him, here's my insecurity. I'm sorry if you've experienced my reception of you with a level of sensitivity because of this. And, and my friend was like, oh, of course, man. Of course you've got a sensitivity around that. It's the very thing you were being accused of. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going anywhere, you know, like, but I still had to take responsibility for the way that I responded to certain sure. things that he would critique. Yeah. Um, it's an ongoing thing. Anyway, sorry. And no, it's, it's interesting because uh, one of the, the people that I went through a lot of counseling with, they would talk about reactive sin yeah, and, and really break that down and what that meant. And that's so much of our, so much of, of our reactions we do with sin. Uh -huh. uh, we either do with punishment, punish other people, or we do with, uh, with kind of swinging the pendulum too far the other way with certain things where we go to too far an extreme, yeah, yeah. maybe not with, again, uh, you know, in any uh, punitive way with somebody else, but it just, but are guarding ourselves and then and then oh, reacting I, I, the wrong way. I, I definitely did that. I mean, I, yeah, I can me I can think of people oh, I, I, still I people I pushed away from me because I figured they were going to respond the same way to my story as everybody else would, yeah. and I didn't want to set myself up for more of that same rejection. Yeah. And so instead of just leaving the door open for them to potentially come in, I pushed them away before they had the chance. And you know, I've, I, everybody who works with me knows me close to me. I I've, I've always worked really hard to be very approachable. Like, you know, people come to my meetings are like, man, you're, you're the same guy on stage that you are off stage. You're the same. And I, I treasure that. I yeah, it's want a big that. Compliment. I, yeah. It's a huge compliment for me because growing up in Pentecostal circles, it wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was stark contrast of it, but where I'm at today is I want that. But then also that sets me up for vulnerable, vulnerable reactions where people can hurt me because of that, because of that approachability. Yet I'd rather have that. I'd rather yeah. be vulnerable and get hurt then not be approachable and not, and, and that's, and I'm saying that because I think there may be some leaders that are watching this, that they're weighing that going, yeah, but I'm going to get hurt if I do this.
I would rather err on the side of of people being able to be able to come up and confront me, even if they're doing it in an unhealthy way. When I, I, I could affirm that about you. I mean, I met you on a plane and you took time to sit and talk with me and, and we exchanged numbers and became friends afterwards because of it. I was a stranger you met on a plane. Um, but then also, I mean, Robbie, you were one of the few people that, that really kind of went to bat for me when all that stuff went down for me. You could have chosen the narrative and stayed influential and important, but instead you came under the scrutiny of asking questions, uh, which you don't do in that system. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, but it's the right, <laughs> right. It, it is, but I'm doing but none it of, because it's the right thing. And that's what people, that's, that's one of the things I was about to say that I really think people should, should take away from this is when hearing things, we were just talking about a minister here locally going through something Yeah, where rather than just making the conclusion based on the narrative that you heard or the, or the, or the steps that were taken by the leadership, ask questions. Uh, probe a little bit, even even going to the people. If somebody's left your church or left your and the, and they've been pegged as a troublemaker or whatever, go to them. Hear their side of the story. That's that's not unbiblical. That's actually biblical. No, it totally is. And I, this is the thing. After the fact, as I, the number of people I had to go to and apologize and say, when you left, I never called you. When you left, I never mm. I never sat down and asked your story. I now know how that feels. Yeah, I want to apologize and ask you. And this is the big thing. People think repentance is just saying the words "I'm sorry." That is not repentance. Right. Repentance means going, oh no, what have I done? And then going to the person and saying, what I did was wrong. What can I do to make it right? Yeah, It's being willing to pay a price called recompense. Mm. That is repentance. Yes, it, Just saying the words, I'm sorry, or I did wrong is not enough. It's what do I have to do to make it right? Right. right. Um, this I thought was a very... Ah, uh, I mean, I, I loved this quote. Uh, great book I'd recommend to all the listeners. Go pick up Scott McKnight's A Church Called Tove. Uh, I think it is one of the best books on the very thing we're talking about. He was at, uh, it's Woodland Hills, right? The, the church that was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, he, he writes this in his book. He says, an organization or culture that perpetuates abuse will quickly question the motives of those who ask questions. Make the discussion of the problems the problem. Condemn those who condemn, silence those who break silence, and descend upon those who dissent. Wow. That um, says it all right there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can tell you wow. this, I've experienced every one of these things because I literally did begin to ask questions. Yeah. Like I, the email I, was, I sent early on was, uh, are we this? Where are we doing making disciples? Yeah. Uh, are we a prayer house? So that was one of the big questions I was asking. Um, make the discussion of the problems the problem. Like this person told the other elders, he's just critical of me. He's always got a problem with me. That's what was said to me. Right. And it's so sad because, I mean, it totally, it's not true at all. It when wasn't then, true at all. And then I was quite literally condemned mm -hmm. by being fired. Yeah. And then uh, I broke silence to which everybody disassociated you know, silence those who break silence. So talking about, you're talking about me. That was the accusation. Uh, th this is the discipline that's done to somebody who's in heinous sin. Right. Not, and so th this is the problem is that it's not, <laughs> you didn't go off and sleep with, you know, your, your dead well, the, father's the big wife. Is, you were, you were, right. This well, was let, a, again, let's, let's take you the, were doing the more thing minor you're supposed sin. to do as a leader in the church. Let's take the more minor sin of, uh, so here's the big question you got to, what, what sin did I commit? 
you're talking about me. Okay, okay, so what? It's not a sin. Tell me where it is that you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Oh, well, what you're saying is not true. Oh, so are you, are you accusing me of slander or do you disagree with my perspective? Because those are two different things as well. You're gossiping. Okay, well, define what you mean by gossip. Right. Because people will, they'll use, anytime you talk about someone when they're not in the room, they'll call that gossip. I would not call that gossip. Otherwise, all of the scriptures are gossip because you're talking about people that are not yes, in the room. That's right. Um, that is not gossip. Gossip is trying to punish people with your words by talking about them. Yeah. That is not, and those two things are very different things. Slander is telling lies about those people with malicious intent. So both gossip and slander are sins. They're meant to punish other people that aren't there. But talking about them or even sharing your perspective, that is not gossip and that is not slander. And and I don't think people know the difference between those things. And that's what gets them silenced because they don't want to gossip. They don't want to slander. Yeah. You know, one of the things I just in wrapping up, uh, I just want to say to everybody here is I, I, I hope you're hearing this. And, and I mean, because we're speaking to it right now by saying by saying this and what you just what you just stated is that it's important that we have these dialogues, that we have these discussions. Sure. It's important that we do that. And not, and again, if you've been a leader that stopped and said, well, I have not allowed anybody to do that because I can't control what they're going to say or how they're going to say it, then you got some issues. You're really moving into, you know, the, the, the very things we're talking about. And these are sin issues when you're, when you're controlling and abusing people to that level. And, and, and the simple thing is, is exactly what Michael was saying, repent, turn around, uh, ask the Lord to help you. All of us as leaders have insecurities. Oh, absolutely. We all have. It makes me a great preacher. My insecurity makes me a better preacher when I'm in the pulpit because I want to do better, you know, than when I'm there. But at the same point to where that we then start not recognizing we have those insecurities, not recognizing that those things are issues that we do need to confront and need to to allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on. That's when I think we get off track and we get into error. And then that's when we force everybody to enable that sin. And that's where this is, gets so grievous and God won't tolerate it. He'll remove us or it'll all crash and burn and it'll get ugly when it does. Mm. And the Lord doesn't want that. The rest of the church doesn't need that. And so I would just say, if you're a leader that's been struggling in that area, do, do repent, turn around from that. If you're somebody that's been abused in that, and, and, this, this, and we're talking about leaders of the church, you may be doing it as a boss. You may be doing it as the owner of your own company or, or manager of a company. Repent from that. That's not, it's not biblical and it's not godly, a godly practice, but it's something that will actually deteriorate and hurt the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're all called to as believers to do. So turn around from that. God's petitioning that. We, with this broadcast, we're doing this to see that happen. It's not to expose some other ministry or to tear somebody down, not at all, but to stop and say, how can we do better? Because God calls us to do better. Well, I would say I do want to expose. <laughs> well, we do like, to yeah, do yeah. better. The point is, is to, to call us yeah, to yeah. hire, to call us better, and to warn those who could be hurt. These these are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's yeah. that's what that's the that's what's happening. Sure, people that will turn around and hurt others, and and they're actually it it and it and we stop and don't realize because they're coming out of a place of pain that there's nothing. Well, the enemy's attempt is malicious. Satan's intention is malicious. 
and he will he will turn that up in them to see that yeah. to see that harm and work done. So I would close uh, like give you my closing thought here is is I mentioned how repentance looks like saying what have I done, mm-hmm. like asking the question and really coming to terms with what you did and how you got to that place where you did what you did, right? So so really coming and this is David, what have I done? Mm-hmm. When Nathan confronted him and he realized he was the man, what mm-hmm. have I done? Right. Um, and then the second question is recompense. What does it look like to make things right? If you have seen, if you're a pastor listening to this and you know that you've done the very thing that we're talking about, you you uh, have, have been an abusive leader on some level, you've allowed your insecurities to get the best of you, and you may have apologized to these people, I, I got to say you didn't go far enough. Mm. The question next needs to be, what can I do to make this right? Yeah. And being willing to pay the price that it would take to make it right. Restitution. And then for those who are, and this is probably my, I'm less concerned with leaders than I am concerned with people um, in the church. Uh, I I want you to understand the difference between gossip uh, and, and talking about things and processing things and the difference between slander and just sharing your story. Because you can be taken advantage of in silence by those things and probably have felt guilty for for something that is not sin. And so I, I want you to be empowered and to know and to, to, to not have to blame yourself for the things that have happened to you. Yeah. Michael, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank, thank you, for, you for having me. Th- oh, no. Loved it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for saying yes. And thank you for being a part let's, of this. Let's talk about the miraculous and those things next time. Is that <laughs> the okay? Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely hit that another time. Thank you for joining us here at Radical Radio. And let me tell you something. If you if you appreciate this podcast, please share it. Please like it. Uh, spread the word. Um, we're all gloves are off on this program. Yeah, and we're just apparently. going for it. And uh, I want to encourage you, though, to get the word out. And thanks again for tuning in. This week's podcast is brought to you by Robbie Dawkins Ministries. Do you know someone who would be impacted by today's episode? Share it with them and let us know what they think. Subscribe or follow this podcast so you don't miss our next episode. You can also leave us a review, like, comment, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until next time, stay radical.